0: Welcome inside the locked on NFL draft podcast. I'm Trevor Sickmo with me is Benjamin Solak. I'm probably running off like 30 minutes of sleep in the last 48 hours because of. For why? Because I've done so many mock drafts on the mock draft machine.
1: Of course.
0: I should have known. I, 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 making one mock draft apparently wasn't enough on Monday. Then you guys had to go and drop the whole thing right That's after my bad. that.
1: Sorry about that. I'll never okay. do it again.
0: And now I'm thinking, all right, well, what if this happened? Or what if this guy went here? What if I did this for this team? Now I've got like 800 mock drafts sitting in the uh, in the my mock drafts thing. I don't even know which one to share.
1: All of them. Easy answer. Next question.
0: No, it's the only one I had, actually. That's all I had. How many how many mock drafts do you run through, Ben?
1: I mean, it's funny because I was the last kind of line uh, of, of of quality checking the the big board and which players were kind of going where and whatnot. Um, Again, yeah, this probably launch. So, like after launch, I probably run like not that many, like fifteen. Before launch. <laughs> uh, I mean you just like all right well then let's let's move you know uh, Travis Etienne off one spot and the big board and then go run some more simulations oh, okay well that let's uh, let's move CD Lamb back one spot and go run a bunch more I would see never. what the first round looks like now and what it looks like now and what it looks like now and what it looks like now and what, like now and what, like now and what it, eventually what it comes down to right like what the logic is what the you know what what you're what you're asking yourself is okay. Either X is going to happen or Y is going to happen. And I don't ask myself, well, which one's more correct? I ask myself, which are people going to yell at me less for? Because (laughs) the only thing I'm interested in is just not getting yelled at by people. I'm
0: still... And I think we did pretty well. I'm still getting comments about why I had this team picking this high in my mock draft when, oh my God.
1: Don't even get me started, brother. Somebody's got to pick in the top 10. I'm going to be honest. At least, but no more than 10 teams have to. <laughs> I'm sorry, your team's not that good. It's not my fault.
0: Oh, yeah. but it could be if they would just hire you as GM. And then they could, Listen, th- then they could appropriately yell at you from your TVN mansion.
1: TVN Consulting, circa 2020, open for hire like at that. Houston, which actually brings us into our conversation for today, but Damn, wow, yeah, that, was, it, uh, that was a
0: great segue.
1: That was a great. Segue. Say, I was ready for it.
0: That was good. That was good. Yeah. We talked about college football yesterday. We really got into it. We got some great feedback. It seemed like you guys really liked the new structure of what we're doing for the college football episode. So that's good. Cause we had a blast recording that one. Um, that'll be a lot of fun to do every single week today. We got to get into some NFL talk because we are now getting ready for week one of the NFL season. And we're kind of here on the tail end now of, all right, roster cuts have happened. Some big moves have been made. Surprise cuts have been happening here. Roster moves here and there. The depth chart looks a little bit different than we might have thought even a week ago. But the big thing that we got to talk about, the whole shakeup of the league that happened over the weekend is all because the Houston Texans won't pick up the phone and call the draft networks consulting. You know, if they would have. Maybe they'd still have Jadavian Clowney. Turn over the keys. Hell, maybe
1: they'd still have Jadavian Clowney and both. Larry Tunsil. Maybe they'd have maybe, both. Maybe they would have. Maybe and, and just hear me out on this. They would have drafted Andre Diller, Juwan Taylor, Cody Ford. Maybe that could have happened.
0: Yeah, I can't remember if I can't remember if it was you who I first saw say this on Twitter or somebody else. But it's like, boy, that price tag for Tunsil sure seems like a lot when all you probably would have had to give up to move two spots to get dillard is like a
1: third round pick right well that's and yeah i mean like that's a framework for it my main thing is this and this is what i've shared for a lot of 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 people is the price good for laramie Tunzel? is it is an equitable price for who laramie is honestly i don't care like if you don't like it, if you like it, whatever. Like, that's not what's important here. Like, you know, process over results, whatever. What matters is how we got here. How did you get to the point where you have such a a, a good young quarterback and you are such a good, you know, a young young team. And you got some defensive talent, obviously, and not clowning, but you still have other places and you're great. Okay, whatever. And you have bungled offensive tackles so sorely that you, you know, you weren't able to get your – Chief trade piece to Miami because you bungled that situation again. Let's not forget, if you had tagged and trade him and successfully got him to sign the tender, or you know traded him while you still had the rights for him to sign a new contract this year, then it would have been a much easier time to trade Clowney to Miami. But
0: well, maybe not. That- Miami Clowny clearly like didn't want to go to Miami at all. But I mean, like that, you, you we don't know that that would have exactly been the case. So I mean, I hear
1: you. The amount of leverage that you gave clowny and choosing where he ended up that yeah because you passed the deadline to sign a new contract this yes. year matters tremendously totally, totally um now so so bungled that bungled the the light off the line situation for the past few years and then bungled the draft pick uh at 22 where philadelphia bumped up in front of you and took andre dillard so you know to the point where like you couldn't move clowny to Miami, and so you felt like you had the mortgage of the future to go get Tunsil because, mm-hmm. in your head, you were close to getting Tunsil and you've been talking about Tunsil and you needed a Tunsil, and so you're already too deep in. Miami probably really wanted to move Tunsil because now you know you kind of burned that bridge a little bit. He knows he was in trade talks, but like you, how did you get here? Yeah, to but the Houston's got to be able to multiple got... for Laramie Tunsil. That's the issue for me. They... I don't care what you sent, of course, you sent too much. You're stuck in a pick. Uh, you're stuck in a, pit. Yeah. You're between a rock, a hard place, a bad place, a sad place. You're everywhere. You know what I mean? It's, it's, this is complete mismanagement from, like, 2017, from when Julian Davenport out of Bucknell was the fourth-round pick to solve your tackle problems. Yeah. And since then, you haven't figured out the issue, and no wonder you're in the spot that you're in right now.
0: Yeah, O'Brien, what is it? O'Brien is outlasted Bill O'Brien, the head coach of the Houston Texans. What is it? He's outlasted two general managers and the owner being fired, right? Or was was that... So, so like,
1: general managers.
0: you know, like, uh, at this point, yeah, Bill O'Brien's got autonomous control. Who's going to fire him? You know, like, <laughs> he's been there the longest. It's, it's just, a, you need, unless you're Bill freaking Belichick, you need somebody to check you sometimes you need a brain trust you need people in a room to get things going in one direction to have a plan even if it's like a bad plan which let's face it a lot of nfl front offices and head coaching staffs have bad plans every now and then it happens okay it happens probably more than some fans would be willing to admit but when you have absolutely but when you have a system where at least you can bounce ideas off of each other Maybe at some point in this journey that you talked about, where initially it was about Clowney. Initially it was like, Clowney, okay, getting him on the team, having him sign a long-term deal, making him happy in Houston, keeping that defensive core, and then focusing some other assets on an offensive lineman. Then it became, okay, what if we move on from Clowney, but in doing so we get an offensive lineman. You know, like, we, we still right. do that, okay? So, at this point, we're doing a little bit of trade here. And then it somehow digresses to where you said, like, you're right there. Houston, at, at one point, had, like, absolutely zero leverage with Clowney. So, then other teams realized that. They could take it as bait. He, he ends up getting shipped off to Seattle for a, a third-round pick and linebackers, for goodness sake. And then they take those picks, and then Mortgage way more than they had to. That's where, if you ask me, that's where it should have stopped. That's where that's where Houston should have been able to put their foot down. And when Miami said, yeah, this is the only way we're, we're paying for Tunsil. if it's you give us this, 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 and this. And it's so many draft picks. They should have been able to put their foot down and been like, no, 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 no. Here's how this goes. Tunsil now knows yes. that he's on the trading block. And that locker room loves Laramie Tunsil. So you have now just lost him and a lot of the trust of that entire locker room. So we're going to trade you for Tunsil, but it's not nearly for that much. Because, you know why? You have to do this trade with us now. Because your left tackle is pissed off, and he's not going to play for you anymore, and you're going to start to lose the rest of the locker room too. That's where where they should have been able to put their foot down. At the very least, that's where they should have been able to flip the leverage. And holy cow, when I look at that price tag, Ed, did, that is not putting your foot down. That is going, ah, sure. uh, crap. We were, like you just said, oh, we were so close to getting Tunsil. We can't possibly go back on it now. We've got to do whatever we can. Uh, Here, take whatever you want. That's
1: what it was to me. Right. And that's the thing is like, you know, they, they talk about, you know, like, like, oh, like being successful in business. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, oh, like the seven tips, like being a good businessman, like have the longest view in the room, right? Where it's the idea of, you know, in order to 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 put together a good plan over multiple years to be successful, to stay steady through the ups and the downs, you have to have a long view. You have to have a three-year, five-year plan. Bill O'Brien the Texans have the shortest view in the room. They have to trade Jadavian Clowney. Why? Because they didn't do a good job anticipating the contract situation with Clowney, the playing time situation with Clowney. Franchise tagged him as a linebacker. Didn't think that was going to come back to bite you later. Of course he's pissed at <laughs> you guys, right? And then they get in talks with Tunsil. Clowny for tonsil doesn't work, but now they, they, they really need tonsil. Titus Howard's not panning out right. Mark Sharp Mark Sharping looks better at guard. They moved on from Martinez and They moved on from Julianne Davenport. We need a tackle. We need tonsil. We gotta get tonsil. Get tonsil right now. Like what, what's it gonna be next week? What is it you're gonna have to do next week? You know what I mean? And that's 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 the big issue that I have with this is that the the view, the, the perspective is so short. And why shouldn't it be? Right. Because nobody's checking Bill O'Brien, like you said. Nope. Nobody in the building right now has a view such that, okay, well, like, if Bill O'Brien totally s up this team as the general manager, we have to make sure we're secure for next year. There's nobody there. There's yep. nobody, there's no general manager to say, listen, I am interested, and this is this is always the thing. It was with the Duke-Johnson trade where they sent a fourth, maybe a third. And, I like, this was way before any clowny to Miami thing was going on, but at that time I said, you know, coaches notorious for making you know smart long-term decisions with draft capital over immediate talent. of course they don't want to they want good players now so they can win football games so that they can protect their job and the right. general manager has to act as a foil to that protect the 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 franchise from completely mortgaging its future and that person's not there so why shouldn't they just go yep. completely all in on this year and you and I laud going in all in on years well say like listen like you have the winning window hit it so sure they have the Sean Watson they have the rookie quarterback contract go ahead, you know, empty up the tank, go all in on this window. The problem is you done goofed up too much to like this, like, sudden, like, you know, heel turn to, to you know, going all in on this window feels a lot more like a kamikaze crash than anything else. You know what I mean? Like, this yeah. is not stable. This is not consistent. There is no long-term view here. And that's what's the scariest thing is that you know, okay, so the Texans don't have Jadeve and Clowney and they have Laramie Tonsil. What are they going to look like in 2019? Are they going to be better? Are they going to be worse? This was a playoff team last year. Maybe they will be again. The AFC South sucks. Maybe they'll win the division. But what are they going to look like in 2021, 2022? They, they're paying $7 million of Clowney's signing bonus and they don't even have a long-term contract with Tonsil yet. What is going on?
0: I'm telling you, it's a, it's, a, it's a bad strategy exactly for the reasons that you said. And, you know, back in Tampa Bay, when John Gruden was still the head coach... John Gruden really ran the show. I mean, I know that's not really surprising to anyone given what's going on in Oakland as well, but when John Gruden was in Tampa Bay, he ran the show. He had a GM, it was Bruce Allen, but he basically told Bruce Allen what to do and how to manage everything. And what ended up happening was the Bucs had their Super Bowl run, but then for years after that, Gruden just continued to go in on older free agents, older guys to win right away, to try to win right now, a lot of his drafts were not panning out because he was more focused on getting guys who had played before to win football games now. And then all of a sudden it really came to a head in 2008 when he and Bruce Allen had both signed three year extensions. But then after the 2008 season, Gruden came to the Glazers and said, here's the list of free agents that I need. And it was a laundry list. Of guys that he wanted to sign for top dollar. And the Glazers said no. Where are your young guys? Where is the future of this team? We're not just going to keep spending all this money in free agency. This isn't how it works. We're going to implode at some point. And they ended up firing both Allen and Gruden. Because Allen, Allen was not that check and balance to Gruden. And his personality of I'm trying to get good football players in right now. You can't do that every year. It has to be a healthy balance of your building through the draft. And then you're sometimes striking it hot. Sometimes you're sitting back in free agency. You're just timing what your windows are. But you always have to build through the draft. That's how you get a healthy team. And I don't think the Texans are doing that very well. They've drafted some good play. Obviously, drafting Deshaun Watson really, really helped them out. But shoot, man. You've got to be able to have that checks and balances. Unless you're Bill Belichick and you're the greatest coach of all time. And know exactly what's the right move to right. do. Well,
1: that thing is Belichick is the exception that proves the rule. If you try to, to be model yes, yes, your team after anything New England does, you're screwed. You're gonna fail. You're gonna because fail because you do not have Belichick. That's the whole point.
0: All right, outside outside the Houston Texans, there was a lot that was going on around the rest. Right, of the wait, week.
1: Can we, we should make one comment uh, from the Seattle perspective.
0: Okay, sure, sure, sure. I'd like to at least. Okay.
1: Number one. First you have thirty thing. seconds. Great value, obviously. You just got Jadavian Clowney, who, while he's not the most traditional edge rusher that ever existed, is a high impact defensive player. Uh, pass rushing, they like get off the line, you know, in the backfield, for pennies on the dollar. That's number one. Number two, this team has offloaded a significant amount of pass rush talent in recent years, and that is tough. You know, it. it, it especially, you know, Frank Clark is out. Michael Bennett was out. Uh, adding Clowney. Drafting LJ Collier, which I didn't love, but we'll talk we'll put it there. Ziggy Anson, free agency. They cut Cassius Marsh, which surprised me a fair bit, which is part of our next conversation. Puna Ford, it's not the worst defensive line in the world. As a matter of fact, I think the two deep is relatively strong. And it's it, it's above average. And so this is good news for a Seattle team that has a lot of really good pieces around it, and the big question was the pass rush. I mean, adding Clowney for the price for I'd be cutting kind of for a fair price would have been a great move for Seattle. They added him for Again, peanuts. And so I think that this is a a big deal for a you know an, an ex NFC playoff team last year, who I think is a French playoff team again this year.
0: Yeah, it was huge. I I thought Seattle and, and John Snyder swooped in. I mean, like that it it because Seattle kind of came out of nowhere, right? I mean, like they were they're always kind of the team that's looking to make moves, but it I did not hear their name in in much of any talks until they smelled blood in the water and they were like, oh we can absolutely rob you of yeah. one of the best, best pass rushers in the NFL. And they swooped ah, in, and, um, man, good for them. Um,
1: John Schneider, dude.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, at one point, now that we're getting into the, the cuts portion of this podcast, uh, didn't the Seahawks at one point cut, like, Geno Smith and Paxton Lynch, or did they still have one of them?
1: They had zero backup I
0: I thought <laughs> they, they only had Russell Wilson at one point.
1: Which is heroic. I greatly appreciate it. I think Gino's back. He is. He is. I just looked it up. Yeah. He is. But Yeah. But, no, I mean, they like that. to me, that's the funniest thing. Like, all right, guys, we've watched you both in preseason. Here's what it's going to be. You're both out. <laughs> like, you know, hate to see it. I wanted them to re-sign uh, Colt Hero, my favorite quarterback, QB1 all of our hearts, Alex Magoo, who was with them, and they ne- apparently never wanted to lose him, but they had to cut him last year. I don't know where he ended up, but he Alex was cut Magoo. by Jacksonville. And I was really hoping Alex Magoo, brother, Florida International.
0: Jared Stidham wins the backup quarterback job to Tom Brady in New England. Brian Hoyer's gone. How much does this mean, Ben? Like, is Jared Stidham? What you think of Jared Stidham coming out? And like, is, is Jared Stidham, We talk about this all the time. Oh, the Patriots, they better draft a quarterback, you know, at some point because Brady ain't gonna be there forever. Is Stidham the guy? Do you think they're do you think they're gonna commit to? To to really trying to shape Stidham as Tom Brady's successor.
1: Okay, so firstly, real quick, Magoo actually is on the Texans to bring everything full circle. So oh, that's where Jesus he, uh, he Christ! Yeah, how about that? Um. Okay. So Get guys, out now, Alex. Yeah, you know you hate to see it. Stidham was billed as this big arm hose sort of a dude. And he has, like, length on his arm. There's no doubt about it. He has muster, and he's got distance. It's great. Uh, But but when you just can't hit windows consistently, it doesn't really matter, right? And the thing about Stidham was that Stidham was not a consistent deep passer. Mm -hmm. And it was alleged that he was, and he simply wasn't. He threw a pretty nine ball. Like, it looked nice coming off his arm, but just placement was not consistent for him. So... The big issue that that you see there that is now a multiple-year work over a guy's ability to execute concepts and regularly place football in consistent locations, that is a multiple-year process. It's been done before. You've seen players improve their accuracy. You've seen players adjust to new systems. Let's not forget, you know, playing in a mall zone offense, the the throwing system and the route concepts are a little white bread. Uh, So you have now multiple years – that you expect him to be spending time developing to harness this arm talent. Okay, so that's number one. Number two. Stidham is awful under pressure. Was absolutely terrible. From uh, the contextualized quarterbacking, yeah. 17% 17% of his attempts under pressure, uh, an accuracy score went from nine two seven to six five four. And Ball placement went from six three four to 4 30% drop-offs on both of them. Big, big, big issue. So now we have a player who not only has to improve his the ability to throw a catchable football, but after he learns how to do it clean, he's got to relearn how to do it again when things are dirty. So that's number one. And that's number two. Mm-hmm. This is a, if Stidham is going to be something, it will not be this year and it will not be next year. I agree. So, you know... The whole Brady contract thing is like messed up. Like, whatever it is, uh, he'll he'll be back next year. Like, I know he's like, oh, technically he can get out of his contract. Now he'll be back next year. Wow. Okay. Yeah.
0: Like at this point, what does get out of his contract mean? It's Tom freaking Brady.
1: Right. Exactly. If he wanted to be back for the
0: Patriots, he'd be back with the Patriots. That's. I mean, like, we. If if anybody ever brought that up to me, I would just start laughing and walk away. There is no. There is no financial implications with Tom Brady and the Patriots. It doesn't exist.
1: Yes. Because of Giselle. But anyway, different different matter entirely, different conversation. Listen, they um, have
0: been, you know, the Patriots have been going under the table and doing illegal activities saying. with Tom Brady for years. And they're going to. Everybody you know, knows. We the all worst know. It. In the league. We all know it.
1: Um, so, multiple year process. Was it you who you said really... they
0: were paying him from like an offshore bank account? Was that you? Probably. Okay.
1: I cannot be held accountable for the things I say about the Patriots and Tom Brady. There's no way of knowing what state of mind I'm in when I say them. Uh, <laughs> None of them are admissible in the court of law. Okay. Anyway, uh, so multiple year, not really a reclamation project with Stidham, but like Stidham was billed as big arm dude at Baylor, left Baylor, entered Auburn, billed as big arm dude, and has never been more than that. So, you know, reason he went undrafted or whatever he was, like seventh round pick. Mm hmm. I'm not surprised that the, the Patriots, who very much so feel like, you know, Brady's not going to, you know, Brady's been an Iron Ironman. Brady rarely misses, you know, significant portions of the season. Not surprised that they felt comfortable keeping Stidham, wanted to protect him from waivers. I get it. Multiple year reclamation. We're going to have to check back in with him in 2021 and see what he looks like. It, it, every tool is there. Good mobility, good size, no, good No, I agree. Like, have, uh, some, some kid, tight window throws. Kid throws a pretty just,
0: ball. It's yeah. it, I, Like
1: Stidham is the is the titular example of like, can you teach these things at the NFL level, or are quarterbacks pretty much already done, and there's no way they can learn? You know, comfort under pressure and like improved accuracy. It's very hard to improve those two things. We'll yeah. see what's we'll, we'll said, we'll see what it is.
0: Yeah. I, uh, when you say very hard. I don't I don't like disagree with you, but it's almost kind of weird. It, it's like you could teach somebody how to be better at accuracy one way and it could work. And then you could think that you've got it figured out like, "Oh, I I know how to I know how to really teach guys how to be more accurate in game." And then you could go to another guy and use that exact same strategy and it might not work. A lot of it is just a, a lot of it is just these guys have to it it's a natural thing. Accuracy is so hard to because there's so much going on in your brain. You've got to be able to play out of structure. Oftentimes, you've got a lot of stress. You've got the clock going off in the back of your head. You know what the play is. You've seen the coverage. There's all these things that are going on. And when you, it, all of a sudden, that green light happens and you commit to making a throw, that that thought from the back of your mind of, okay, I'm throwing it here, to then the ball being out of your hands is such a quick and timely process that accuracy I mean, it's tough to teach even with good form. Some guys just like naturally have it. Like that's why I love Ryan Lewerke and those touch passes. We talked about this before. It's just so hard for it to be quantified as a teachable thing. But I think when you have a lot more tools like Jared Siddham does, that gives you more room to potentially say, okay, I think I can teach this out of this guy. I don't always think that accuracy is something you could teach. And I would often say that most of the time it's not especially when you get to this point of your football career. But I'm also not saying it's always a lost cause, especially for these young guys that have a lot of talent. So perhaps that is a guy like Stidham sitting behind a guy like Tom Brady. If they invest in him plenty and if Brady invests in him, I think he'll have every chance to be a potential right, starter. You're in a, two, you're in a relatively,
1: as far as spots go to develop, Trevor, could not it's be better. a pretty gosh darn good one. Yeah. Though uh, if we're talking about quarterbacks who ended up in great spots to develop, uh, Ben Solak high for Kyle Laletta is experiencing a strong resurgence as he signs in the Philadelphia Eagles practice squad. After being oh the wow! Giants. Listen, imagine leaving under Eli, under Pat Shermer, under Dave Gettleman, and going to Doug Peterson, High Roseman, Carson Wentz slash Josh McCown in Philadelphia. Uh, brother, you know all you're doing is moving two hours too. You can go, still see the family. Big win.
0: It's very true. Easton Stick beat out Cardell Jones. Poor no, one surprised. Poor one out East for
1: stick's gonna provide quality special teams rep for that team.
0: Poor one out for 12 gauge. Man, that was yeah. a crazy time. I can't were you were you really into scouting at that time when Cardell was coming out?
1: I was like, I like followed it, you know what I mean? I didn't do too much sure. about it. Was Cardell the one with the funny graduation thing?
0: The funny I mean, are you talking about the tweet where he said we didn't come to play school?
1: Yeah, no, the, yeah, he has uh, on, um, well, no, so he has the tweet where it says, why should we have to go to class if we came here to play football? We ain't come to play school. We ain't class come to play school. List. Yeah,
0: of but course. But then
1: he had, he had it on his graduation cap, he had on the top, someone once said, we ain't come here to play school.
0: That was him. That yeah, was him, but no,
1: like that was on his cap. Like he put his own quote, which I greatly respect.
0: You gotta, you gotta steer into the troll, man. Uh, the Absolutely. L- last big thing that we got to talk about. There's a lot of other cuts that we could talk about. Well, we definitely got to hit on this one for sure. If we have time afterwards, we'll get to a couple others. But Jakai, polite. Um, oh, yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. You know, this is a situation where you know. Spe- so I, I cover Florida pretty. I don't cover Florida, but I follow Florida pretty closely. As someone who graduated from the university and cares deeply about the football team, and Ja'Kai polite, uh, it, it, it's a weird, it's a weird journey for him because early on in his career, when he was trying to earn playing time, he was under Coach Jim McElwain, and McElwain, for as my, many faults as he has as a coach, that guy would do anything for his players, and he was truly a player's coach he really was and polite bought in under McIlwain because I think of how much of a player's coach he was and as it went on he wasn't a starter initially there was just this hey who is this 99 polite guy he's flying all over the field when he's on now we learn a couple years later about a year later when he gets a starting role okay well this guy's actually really good and then his final year at UF he's one of the best pass rushers in the entire country he has a story, you know, his Twitter handle is ret- at Retire Moms. You know, you think that he's like, he, he's got this underlying reason why he's working hard to make it in the NFL to be the best that he can be. But then all of a sudden you start hearing rumblings about him. Mm-hmm. You start getting into this draft process. You go to the combine. You listen to him talk at the combine. You go, hold on, but what do, what do you mean these teams are bashing you? You mean they're looking at your tape and telling you you're doing something wrong? Because... Is they that that how, you, is that how you handle cri- honest criticism? Because that's not good. And then all of a sudden, you know, he shows up at his pro day. You know, I, I, this is after he has an abysmal combine with the he, interviews. He
1: pulled a hammy at the combine, and
0: mm. and then he and then he goes to Florida and UF, and you think, okay, this is the time he's gonna he's gonna readjust himself. He's gonna be much more better. He's gonna be more focused. Dude looked out of shape. Dude looked out of shape and slow and said the exact same things. And, like, oh, now you're wondering what is going on. Ends up getting drafted. This is a first round talented on tape guy. Would you agree with that? Oh, oh. Thank you. Yes. Thank Every you. Day Thank, of you. The week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Polite's tape was unquestionably first round worthy. He ends up going in the third round and getting picked by the New York Jets. Now, ironically, not a great situation because he was picked by Mike McCagnon and then they fired Mike McCagnon. So, not exactly great when the guy who drafted you is then immediately out the door. So, that wasn't a really good scenario. And then, you know, we heard that Polite was late to meetings. He wasn't on time for practice. All those kinds of stuff. You know, I've heard from Jets people that he just never at any point became that guy that they saw at UF. And here he is now, the number 68 overall pick in the draft. Cut. Just straight up cut. And not only... Not only cut, well, I te- technically waved. Not only waved, he did not get claimed off waiver Ben,
1: nobody wants to touch him. Nobody
0: wants Jakai. Polite, and this is just such an important lesson that scouting who these guys are off the field matters. Because I've gone I've had back and forth with people who are Florida fans who give me all kinds of pushback and give Jakai every benefit of the doubt. And look, man, I loved his talent. He was awesome, and I would love to root for him, especially as a Florida guy too. But the evidence is overwhelming at this point. He's got bad habits. He kind of crumbles when things go when things don't go his way. He clearly is not a self motivated person. If you are not an absolute player's coach, he won't buy into you. And that's just not always going to be the case. And I, man, I wish it was different from for Jakai because he's a hell of a football player. But it seems like this guy needs to learn how to grow up as an adult more than anything else. From all the stories that I've heard about how he just is not self motivated at all. Like he needs somebody. He needed somebody by him at UF to make sure that he was doing this and doing that and staying on track. And he even talked to himself before about the terrible eating habits that he used to have and. Shoot, the second he gets out of Florida's football program, he puts on all of this weight for the combine and the pro days. And it's like, dude, yeah. what are you doing? Your job is not over. You haven't been drafted yet. What are you doing? It's just kind of a sad situation because this is such a talented dude and, you know, obviously he's got this the the story of his mom who he plays for and everything like that, but Oh man, just it it sucks. It sucks that it's kind of come to this because I I mean this I, I don't I don't know if Jakai Play gonna even get another chance at all, and well, that I sucks.
1: Mean, I think he's gonna get another chance. I think he's gonna get at least what he has in Seattle. It's not another chance at a at a fifty-three man roster this year because I mean talent is talent, and yeah, the will do a lot for it. Yeah, you know, Polite can duck and run the way that not a lot of kids can duck and run, and so you know you're gonna get interest for that I mean people are gonna check in on you constantly and see like all right like if he's got his head on right like we need to be the first team to know because we need his talent every team needs the talent that polite brings so there's that
0: we've heard we've heard stories I think before of guys who have been drafted high who are almost like don't know how to be adults that teams have to hire like glorified babysitters with to check in on them every day multiple times a day to make sure they're doing what they're doing and make sure they're on time and make sure they're scheduled and make sure there's a guy there to drive them to practice and drive them to workouts and make sure they're looking at their diet and all this kinds of stuff we've heard that before with guys who are like first round picks i don't know if a team's gonna do that for polite you know and it kind of sounds like that 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 might be where he is right now. I hope that I hope that's not where he always is. I hope this might be kind of like a rock bottom thing for polite, and he realizes that he's he might be throwing away what could be a heck of an NFL career and a heck of a living too, heck of a life after football. But dude's gotta dude's gotta get it together, man.
1: Uh, dude, I mean, I don't I don't disagree with you. You know what I mean? I I, I do think you know, like, all right, so those those first rounders who need that. Well, maybe when you draft them, you don't realize the extent to which they need it. Polite, it, and, and this is what we open with, he still has first-round talent. And so if you're willing to make that investment to help get him right, and like ending up with Pete Carroll as a big players coach, like it might be a good spot for Polite in terms of to get, you know, to, to not rekindle some love for football, but to be reminded how much enjoyable the game can be when you do the little things right maybe it'll end up being a good spot for him. I do think the point that you made, which is my, like, kind of big takeaway from this, is when we go retrospect on players, like, well, we got to remember, you know, like, 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 it's always the question, like, all right, is Jukai played a bust? You know what I mean? Like, let's say his career arc stays where it is. Is he mm-hmm. a bust? Well, like, yes, he was drafted in the third round and never did anything. But also, it had nothing to do with talent. So, is he a bust? You know what I mean? Well, what we learn is that, when we go to look back and say, like, all right, like, did we get players right? Did we get players wrong? Why did this player fail? We have to remember the people making the decisions about these these young men are. There's like, it's like, you know, two to three people. It's three to four people, and people who are inherently, you know, flawed and and, and making decisions based off criteria true, we may too. not necessarily understand. It's important, like, because like McCagnan drafts polite. McCagnan gets fired, and then the Jets offload polite. Joe Douglas, the new general manager, offloads polite. Well, you know, if Douglas just never would have drafted Polite ever, you know what I mean? If it just never would have really, like, you know, been something that he did and he wants to wash away some of the McCagnin stuff, then, yeah, just cut the 68th overall pick, you know what I mean? But in, like, different situations, you know what I mean? Like, if McCagnon were still there, Polite would probably still be, like, on Phantom IR or on the roster just because McCagnin would want to protect his pride from having the 68th overall pick not be that good at Mm -hmm. first, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, like, that's why it's important to remember, like, It's not as if these guys go into the league and then whatever happens to them is like what their career was always going to be in every eventuality, in every path of the universe. And that's important uh, for us to remember when we go back and we look back at draft classes. I think about like Robert and Camdiche and Malik McDowell two names that I'm thinking of a lot right now. We're like, both of these players I was lower on than consensus in large part because I was like, they're going to be difficult for coaches to deal with and difficult for general managers to deal with. And people aren't going to want to... To, to stand up for these guys because they, they can be tough in the locker room and they, they don't take well to coaching and like this is what we hear and this is what we know and like that matters. The whole like, oh, you know, like he's not coachable, he doesn't listen thing. Like he gets made fun of it gets beat to death for the entire draft cycle He'll be like this is stupid if you can play you can play coaches are so arrogant gentlemen are so arrogant okay but at the end of the day he's gonna have a coach and the coach is a human being and if the human being doesn't get along with the other human being they're not gonna do the extra investment work in him to try to help him out to be a good player right so you have to look at these things they're critical both for evaluating and then for retrospective looks on past drafts
0: Indeed, there's a lot that goes into it. And who knows? Maybe if McCAgna would have been fired before the draft, maybe Polite goes to, like, let's say, the Los Angeles Rams or something. One of the teams that when he talked at, at the Combine with interviews, he's like, yeah, I love Sean McVay. Maybe it's a totally different situation. Maybe it's a totally different Ja'Kai Polite. There's always different, like you said, almost parallel universes of reality that could have happened with these guys. And Ben, that's why, to this day, I've never really missed on a prospect.
1: Trevor, you know what? I just remember that I also have never actually missed on a player before.
0: You know, it's it's good to have a perfect record. It really, it really
1: Feels is. all right.
0: We're going to turn our attention more towards the coming week of games with college football, with the NFL coming up this weekend. We're going to get into Fan Friday as well, so start thinking of your Fan Friday questions. That'll be here before you know it. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.